is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of What an E-Vision. Welcome to the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me as always are Federico Perez, Ralph Hanna, and Maria Britos. Happy International Women's Day as well, so happy day, happy International Women's Day to you, Maria, and to all the, the women that continue to inspire us all throughout the world for everything that they've done and, and just continue to be badasses, basically, to use it in a simple term. But we, we got a lot to talk about, guys. But before that, uh, we do have to mention uh, some stuff that had been going on in the country. Obviously, as you know, Paraguay has been getting into the news lately because of the protests that have been going on. Obviously, we're not making this political, but we do have to mention that our solidarity is to those that are obviously protesting towards the controversy going on in, in the country, obviously, through many things that are going wrong over there and hopefully that some solutions are going to be made uh in the future but we'll stick to the football side of things and fede i mean i guess the big news that we saw uh in in our game you know kind of has to be involved in a way with this pandemic and and unfortunately we're not going to be seeing our paraguay national team this month hey roberto yeah it's been a weird week actually here in paraguay like you said you know with the protests going on it's been kind of hard to just put your head on the football games, on uh, on the on our football world, but you know people hitting the streets here to protest against the government, that the lack of vaccines, also just the awful healthcare service that the country has, uh, among other issues uh, like corruption, which is a word that you hear a lot here in Paraguay. Uh, but and I was actually remembering, you know, besides what you were saying, that today, the eighth of March, when we're recording uh, what any vision, uh, we're we're making this space, we're giving the space for, for women also, like, like Maria, for, for them to have a, a voice in, in football and, 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 and give them the, the space that they, that they deserve on this 8th of March. But I was actually remembering, remembering today and I was looking at my calendar that on a day like today, on 2020, was the last day that we had uh, people in the stands, that we had fans, that we had a stadium full of people. It was, it's actually been a year now it was in an olympia game and i i had the privilege of being there it's been a year now that that we haven't been able to go to the stadiums uh but the, the games have gone on we had a lot of goals this weekend golazos actually uh nine goals this weekend and most of them were golazos we're probably going to talk about that but right off the bat like roberto was saying the big news this past weekend actually because it happened on saturday it was confirmed it started on during the week, the rumor, and then Friday was the first meeting with with all the with the chiefs of, of Comebol coming together on a, on a virtual a meeting, and and then on Saturday they talked to, to the FIFA chief, also the president uh, Infantino, and it's been confirmed that uh, unfortunately the bad news: South American qualifications, the qualifiers that were supposed to be played in March, will not happen uh, at least on this month and now we look at the calendar and we see that maybe on june we will have games again for our national team for our national team to play right before copa america to happen we'll see if that can go on and we'll see if that uh that will be confirmed by fifa we have to remember that this goes by them it doesn't doesn't necessarily have has something to do directly with Comebol. They can't do much about it, especially if they have these problems with countries like Germany, Great Britain, USA, 
France Open, and we'll see what the stage is for Copa America right at the middle of the year. But, you know, it is bad news, especially for all the players that were waiting to play, especially for, for our team. I think, you know, looking at, at the rest of, of, of the teams in South America, we were probably going to be the one that was going to be hit the less, right? We weren't going to suffer that much uh, missing players, especially because Amiron was injured. I was probably not going to be able to play. Or if he was, he was going to make it right there. Uh, but but well, we'll just have to wait. It's part of the world right now with the whole COVID situation. And it was on FIFA's turf, and they just couldn't make it happen this time. They made it happen last year uh, when, when the crisis just started. We, there was a couple of players that couldn't make it to the qualifiers, but the game went on. But this time, you know, no, it was just too many players that weren't, that weren't going to be able to come to South America, and the game's couldn't happen yeah it's definitely a, an unfortunate thing that's been going on but as you said it could be perhaps a blessing of disguise because of the injuries that we have gotten Ralph, i'll go to you on this one obviously on a day like this on international women's day it's uh it's been actually a good week we could say for a lot of um female players in Paraguay. they've been stellar so far in in various competitions all around the world i mean that's that's something great to to see on a special day like this yeah, that's right. On a happier note, because obviously we're all disappointed about the World Cup qualifiers not happening. We had planned like a bunch of ideas for you guys as well to talk about Chile, Colombia and, and what's coming up. Um, but on a happier note, the, the women's players are doing great. I mean, we'll talk a bit later about the Copa Libertadores, which is happening right now in, in Argentina with Paraguayan teams taking place and also Paraguayan players that, that play abroad. But one Paraguayan player playing abroad is, of course, uh, Jessica Piraju Martinez. And she, uh, she managed to score two goals and make an assist for, for Real Madrid at the weekend. She was playing against Espanyol, where there's another Paraguayan player who's the more experienced, Dulce Quintana. Uh, she came on as a sub, I think, towards the end of the game for Espanyol. But that was, you know, a, a, a great kind of return to form for, for Martinez, because if you guys remember just before Christmas, she, she lost her mom, she had to go back to Paraguay, she spent some time. Now she's, she's come back, and this is, I think, the first goal she, she scored since then. Um, the first goal was a penalty, second goal, really good header, so some classic Paraguayan striker action for you. It's, it's a very well-taken header. Um, so, you know, that's, a, that's some really positive news to, to kick off with today. And then talking about uh, women's players, <clears throat> well, a bit younger, let's talk about the girls' players because I've been told by, by a listener of Guarani Vision uh, who's, who's been telling me about his daughter called Florencia Cáceres. She lives here in Miami and she's hoping, I guess, to be the next Jessica Martinez or maybe the next Alex Morgan, I don't know, because at the moment uh, she's representing Florida State and in her age group, she's under 12s. Uh, they won their, their game a couple of weeks ago, 3-2 against Georgia State. So that's, you know, she was picked from about 300 kids in the local area or girls in the local area, I should say. She was picked for that team, only nine players play because at this age group, it's, it's nine, nine versus nine. Um, and so that's, you know, a tremendous achievement for, for Florencia. And this weekend, she was in Tampa playing again for her local team. And they won and she scored a great goal, which... Uh, her, her father was telling me it took it past five players to finish be a bit of a messy style so that's definitely someone for the future and, and thanks for listening and thanks for telling us about those stories 
Well, best of luck to her, and hopefully that we will see her in some sort of short uh, shirts uh, for the uh, for a World Cup. Hopefully, I mean that that's the that's the dream, and hopefully it's a win win for for either us either of us here in the United States or in Paraguay. Maria, I'll go to you. Uh, on this special day as well. I think we've also have to speak about um, some critics trying to prove themselves wrong. And apparently you have been proved wrong because we saw a certain Paraguayan player who, you know, we talked about and said, maybe he wasn't ready for the national team, but I guess he must have heard us and said, oh, wait a minute. No, I'm going to, I'm going to prove these guys wrong and, and show what I'm really made up. But how are you, Maria? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think uh, who we're talking about must have listened to a little bit of what we were saying in, in our last episode. So I'm glad that that he got his stuff together. And um, what, who we're talking about is uh, actually Tony Sanabria. He had a, a great, great game and coming back uh, into the Italian Serie A. And, you know, he was transferred to his new team now, Torino. Uh, from Real Betis, I believe in a loan. And, you know, he did pretty well for, for coming back. Um, uh, last time we mentioned that he had coronavirus, which is why he wasn't in action. And um, so I would definitely have to apologize for my comments uh, that, that he wasn't uh, doing much uh, for his in his career. But I do still stand in the fact that he should um, probably not come back to the to the national team for a while until he's actually proven that he can he can come into the team um you know he's just she he just got one one game one amazing goal but it was just one time and 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 now he got lucky i want to say because uh since the worker qualifiers were canceled now in this month in march and possibly pushed to june he has so much time to improve his 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 game his style um, get more minutes under his name so that, you know, maybe Beriso can look at that and, and see if he's actually qualified to come back to the team. Because like I said, in the last few times that he's been on, he hasn't made a much impact. So in that aspect, I, I'm still standing on my, on my ground, <laughs> but other than that, I want to apologize if he does listen to us. Um, but keep doing great. You, you had an amazing uh, goal. It was, uh, you know, outside of the box, I believe like 20 minutes after he walked, he uh, was subbed in. So pretty good for coming back after a few weeks, a uh, few months, actually. So yeah, um, other than that, I just want to um, wish everyone, uh, all the women out there, a happy International Women's Day. You know, um, it's been a long time for all of us uh, that have made it uh, big into this media, into the world of, of sports media. So big uh, congrats to, uh, to a lot of women out there and a lot of uh, ladies that also listen to, to all of us. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to continuing our conversation, guys. Well, we'll stick to the female aspect and we'll go straight into a competition that actually just got other, underway a couple days ago. And that was the Copa Libertadores Femenina. We saw the competition going on in Argentina. We have two Paraguayan teams participating in this tournament. We have Libertad Limpeño and we have Sol de America, who actually at the time of recording have actually gotten positive results um, in this in this uh, competition. Well, Ralph, I'll go to you on this one. We saw River Plate tying Sol America um, and we also saw Libertad Limpeño getting a huge result beating Pedro Varilla the actually the reigning runners-up in last year's competition so um, a good start for them so far in this competition and, and perhaps it could 
could lead to a positive, um, I guess you would say, competition for, for them if they continue to go on this form. Yeah, for sure. Let me just start though by explaining quickly the format of the of the women's Copa Libertadores because it's not the same as the men's that, that people might have followed before. Uh, because the teams are not all professional and because of the cost of trying to travel across the across the continent, uh, you know, they don't have the work with the same budgets as, as the men's team. So what they do is they organize a tournament in a single location. This year is in Buenos Aires. It was actually meant to be in, in Buenos Aires in 2020. This is the 2020 tournament that, that got suspended because it's meant to be this time last year and, and they're playing it now. So the, so the teams that had qualified then and were, you know, and were the groups that were drawn back then are the same groups that are, are playing now. So you play a group stage. It's a bit like the World Cup. You play a group stage and you go into knockouts, single game knockouts, of course. There's no home and away because it's all on neutral ground. Um, and you have uh, you have usually kind of two teams from each from each country in terms of the the smaller countries. And I think your Brazil and Argentina, if I'm right, may have an, an extra side. Um, <clears throat> traditionally, the Brazilian teams have been very strong. They they work with bigger budgets. The women's football there is more professional. Back when this tournament started, unlike again the men's tournament started in the 1960s, the the women's Copa Libertadores started 2009. Back in 2009, in the opening tournament, the best player was Marta, who many people I'm sure know now of, of Brazilian fame. She's in, she's in Orlando in Florida, her club. Um, so that's kind of just, you know, just to explain a bit the format. And then going into Libertad Limpeño, they're not a bad team. Limpeño won the tournament in 2016. So this is, you know, a team with some pedigree, but they were facing Ferroviaria, who are from Brazil, who were runners up last time. And they also have not played a game. They haven't played a competitive game for about 18 months because, of course, the Women's League in Paraguay was, uh, was suspended. Obviously, in that 18 months, there's been changes in the squad. There's, you know, players have come in, players have gone. So it was, you know, a huge task. And I was checking the odds um, on betting odds. They were something like 8-1 to one or 9-1 to one to win the game. So not only did they win... They blew Ferroviaria away. I think they're 3-0 up by halftime. They end up winning 4-0. Liz Peña, who was part of that Limpeño team that that wins in 2016, uh, she scored two goals. So, you know, a real, really good performance, a really strong performance by Libertad Limpeño. And what this suggests, I would say, when you beat that team 4-0 in your first game and it's such a strong Brazilian team, they're right up there now. They're a candidate to to try and win the tournament. Um, and then a quick note about Sol de America. They are making their first ever appearance in the women's Libertadores, and they got the draw, the nil-nil draw with River Plate, which of course is a good result considering River are, are playing. They're not playing at home in their home stadium, but they're playing in Buenos Aires. So a really strong result from, from Sol de America uh, in that opener. And then one last player to mention is Fanny Gauto, who plays for, she's Paraguayan, plays for Independiente Santa Fe, the Colombian team. She won, helped them win the Colombian championship recently. And in their first game, they also won 4-0, the same as Libertad Limpeño. Um, and she was voted, she was voted the MVP. So, so she had a great game there too. And that's somebody to watch out for, you know, that could be one of the, the stars of the tournament. So really, you know, great start. Um, the next set of games are tomorrow. So we're recording on Monday. The games, the next games for the Paraguayan teams, I mean, are tomorrow on Tuesday. So we can look out for that. 
Um, Ralph, I just wanted to ask you because um, you're obviously very knowledgeable in this topic. Um, but you know, considering how they did well in in this in the Copa Libertadores, uh, I'm talking about Libertad Limpeño. How do you see them doing in the league? Um, and and how have they been doing the past few few years? I want to say. Well, they they were originally called Limpeño. And now they live at that Limpeño because basically the men's professional teams in Paraguay have to make sure they have women's teams. So what, what Libertad did was look to this already well-formed team and, and kind of merged. And of course, we know Libertad as a, as a whole institution, not just the men's football team, is, is one of the best funded. So they're, of course, a very strong team because of, because of that. Um, another team that a uh, women's team that's pretty strong is Cerro Porteño. They've actually loaned a couple of players to Sol, I think, just for this, just for this Libertadores tournament. So they've done like kind of emergency loans to, to help them out. So I think you would be seeing as, as those two as maybe two of the two of the more stronger teams um, looking to the women's tournament, which I guess is kicking off, I think, in April is the is for now the, the plan. I don't know if if they can can confirm or deny if I know what I'm talking about on, on the kickoff day. Yeah, more than anything, I just want to, you know, just just be happy for these girls that they're actually getting game time. Like Ralph was saying, they haven't played in more than a year now. Paraguayan football for, for them hasn't come back yet. And and for them, you, you see them so happy now on the pitch. They're, they're having so much fun. They were so happy just to leave the country and, and go and play this big tournament. Libertadores, they're getting used to playing this tournament every year. Also, we're, we're having uh, big teams play it. Like Rafa saying, South America is the first time that they play. We had Cerro Porteño play before. We had other big teams play, like Libertad also, Limpeño, that, that was champion. I'm just happy that the, the girls are, are, are getting used to playing these big tournaments and can play against the big teams of South American football. I'm actually really happy with what Comebol is doing uh, with women's football these last couple of years and just making uh, sure that we have these competitions every year and that the girls can get just more professional because because you, you see how the Brazilians are playing. I was watching a couple of the games from of the Corinthians, which is the team that has scored the most goals, and it's just impressive. It's just crazy what, what they do on the pitch. Uh, but there's a big difference still between with the other countries, right? With with, with Paraguay and just 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 how it happens in the world when we see World Cup. Uh, when we see Women's World Cup also, when we see France and when we see these big countries that have worked so hard, that have worked so well, like the US, Canada, uh, in women's football. And then we try to play against them and we usually end up losing pretty badly. So these competitions, uh, even though they're just in, in between South American teams, it helps us grow and teams are taken a little bit more seriously last couple of years and what Ralph was saying, making sure that they have a, a first team for women, that they, that they try to transfer girls, that, they, that girls are getting chance outside of the country. Also, we have so many playing outside of Paraguay right now. So all of that is happening in between these tournaments also. So I'm just really happy about that situation. But getting game time after one year, imagine what's going on in these girls' heads, right? Playing an international uh, stage after so long. Definitely. I think it's a very important thing. And like you said, I think with the evolution of women's football, not just here in South America, but all around the world, I think it's only a, a matter of time that, you know, this goes right into 
the mainstream, we would say. I mean, I think we all know that after what we've seen of the Women's World Cup with the United States national teams performing well and, and many other teams and players that are rising up, I think we're starting to see that kind of acceptance of what women's football is. It, it will take a while, I think, in a continent like South America, who are obviously very, very passionate about football. They definitely need that kind of attention given to the women's game. So it, it something like this, like you said, Fede and Ralph, I think getting these type of performances and consistency can help the country of Paraguay at least develop much, much more and hopefully become one of the best teams in South America uh, in the future. I wanted to switch gears now to the men's game and go into what's been going on in the league action because we did see, like you said, Fede, a lot of goals, a lot of great results as well. Well, depending on what team you support, that is. But um, we did see uh, a couple of shock results, if you would say. Well, not shock, but in a way, uh, surprising, you would say. We saw the big, I think the big ones that stand out to me were the 12 de October win against Libertad, 2-1, to one, Nacional defeating Cerro Porteño, getting their second loss in a row after the Super Clasico, and Sportivo Luqueño, who, you know, have gotten much more, um, gained more ground, you would say, defeating Guarani on Sunday. I mean, Fede, out of all these results, which one was the one that surprised you the most? And 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 just your overall impressions of what you saw this weekend. Yeah, it's really hard just to just to keep it on one game because of all these surprises, right? Guarani keeping keeping the good, the good results, uh, that last minute, Goal by Velasquez in in those October to beat Libertad. That was that was a shocker. Also, just because of how it how it turned out and how it ended. We're talking about a team that's last on the on on the tournament, and we're talking about a team that was trying to be first on the tournament. That's how crazy it, it is. Sometimes here in Paraguay in football, we only have ten teams, and they all know each other pretty well. And and sometimes you have these kind of matches, even though you think that Libertad in the preview is the big favorite against these kind of uh, teams. But, you know, the big teams are losing a lot of important points and not just Libertad. Uh, the same thing happened to Cerro Porteño, like you said, Nacional beat them uh, and Guarani couldn't win either. So I'm going to stick like the big winner this weekend was Olympia because they played their best football yet. Uh, so far, they cruised by Sol de America, which, who are also last. They have the same points as those of Octubre. But this is a new Olympia. They, they still don't have all their players available and look how well they're playing already. Uh, they're just getting better and better, and you see some of their their players, and they're just uh, playing a, a, every day even even better. Like I was just saying, that I, I repeat, it was their best game yet so far. Jorge Recalde again has been unstoppable, now scoring from a free kick, running plays, scoring goals. I was looking at his number; he has 19 goals in 29 games with Olympia. That's just amazing, and some people are. are 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 also pointing out to, are pointing him out for the national team just because of how young he is and just because of everything that he's been doing ever since he he, he put on the jersey uh, of Olympia the Uruguayan Alejandro Silva also he played an exceptional game Rocket did so much for the team he he looks like he's finally ready to start off the season and play every single game like Olympia needs him to do he could reach a, an important record also before the end of his career I think he's like. 15, 16 goals away from being the Olympia top scorer of their history. So that's a big, that's a big record that he could actually get before the end of the year. Like we, like we said several times, this is his last year on his career. And they now play Nacional. Nacional beat Cerro Porteño and they have to go against Olympia now. Olympia that had the bad news of the injury of Ramon Sosa. They will not have him for this 
uh, the results that I was just saying. And Seoul looks so bad. I was I was looking into that match mainly this weekend, and with uh, without Osvaldo Martinez, their key player, out. Uh, with an injury probably for the rest of the season. He won't be back for the rest of the tournament. And seeing how weak their defense is, they, they're, they're last. They've only won one game in six so far. So it, it doesn't look good for them. Yeah, it does look a little bit better for those two, at least that, that they got to beat uh, Libertad. And, and that brings some peace also for the coaches, the coaches that are trying to maintain their jobs. That happens in Dos Octubre. That's going on also in River Plate. There's several coaches that are trying to get a couple of results so they don't lose their jobs uh, by the sixth game, seventh game of this season. Talking about the, the Dos de Octubre to start, I mean, the coach, talking about the coach is Pedro Sarabia, he won the league with, with Libertad. So it's a guy, you know, who knows, he knows Libertad, he knows how to how to win championships, but there he is, is struggling with, really with Dose. And they got off to the worst start possible with, when Mauro Cardoso, the goalkeeper, like, I don't know, he's just trying to catch a ball and, and just pats it down straight into uh, Tobias, who scores for, for Libertad. And it's like after four minutes. And just a curious thing, I don't know, if anybody noticed, he's wearing, I think, pink gloves when, when that happens. And by the end of the half, he's wearing white gloves. So he switched gloves. He obviously was, was you know, blaming his, blaming his equipment rather than himself. Um, but really, at, at that point, I thought, wow, this is going to be a 3-0, 4-0 Libertad. They're just going to roll over. Um, but actually, you know, Dose came back into the game. They get the equalizer. Libertad put a bit of pressure on, I think, towards halftime. But, but Libertad are looking very flat and they're changing players. And, you know, we saw Ivan Franco was starting games. Then I think he didn't start this game. So you got Merlini. Uh, Pedro Del Valle still isn't starting. So I'm wondering, is that the, you know, is that the person they really need for that, that creativity? Because something is not quite clicking for Libertad. And of course, they have uh, what we'll talk about soon, but they have a Libertadores game coming up. So, so lots of pressure there. Um, for, for Cerro Porteño, I mean, <clears throat> very disappointing result for them. But, but again, unfortunately for Aldo Maiz, who struggled a bit in the, in the Clásico, I thought, uh, he struggled really against Nacional. And what Nacional did very well is they pressed really intensely. And Nacional said, we want to play at a high tempo. And Chiqui also doesn't want his team to play at a high tempo. He likes the slow build-up positions. And, and they couldn't do it because Nacional wouldn't let them. And you realized, you know, Aldo Maiz was struggling. Then he picked up a yellow card. Then about two, three minutes later, he picks up his second yellow card and is sent off. And at that point, I think Cerro knew they were going to find it very hard. And, and sure enough, in the second half, they concede the, the two goals to, to Nacional and go down. And they're really missing Villasanti. So, so they have to hope that the Villasanti can come back and be that the captain and the ball winner in the in the middle that they need because uh, looking around the rest of that team it was it was a fairly fairly strong side uh, they're missing Patino as well still in, in central defense but but generally you know a pretty strong side but but they really struggled so so they're gonna have to do some work there and uh, just one thing of Nacional as well the player that sets up the the second goal is Carlos Espinola who's the son of Carlos Carlos Espinola, but Carlos Paraguari Espinola, who used to play for Cerro, he broke through for Cerro, but then played a long time in Ecuador in, in Liga de Quito. Um, and he's looking like a very exciting young 
young right back because he had a really good game, not just the assist. I thought, you know, his whole kind of both defensive and attacking with without the ball. Uh, he was a very good player. So, so Nacional looked good and they're going on to face Olympia this week, as Fede said, which is, I think, going to be a, probably the best game of, of week seven, which is being played midweek. Uh, so one to look out for. Maria, I actually wanted to go to you on this one because obviously your Olympia have been doing so well. And, you know, looking at the results, I think they were able to really bounce back after that draw, getting three wins right on the um, on the stretch, only conceding one goal so far in six games. I mean, from your personal perspective, do you feel that this side that Nesta Gorosito has had really convinces you that they can really go all the way for this title, even though there are some people that perhaps have felt doubtful at least initially at the start of the season? Or do you feel that, you know, that this side can really go for it and, and there's something that, um, that can't be fixed, basically? No, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's uh, Olivia has been showing such a stronger side lately that it looks like everything that Grosita has been working on has been working for the team. You know, we have uh, uh, Roque showing more of a leadership, showing up, you know, having more strength. Uh, scoring and and we have you know uh, other other big uh, young stars like Ramon Sosa although he was injured but you know it's it's looking better for for Olympia and now that we're almost halfway into the apertura it's it's now it's like the time that it's getting tighter in the race for the title so it's it's I think that they're getting there little by little Obviously, you can't call victory just yet. It's still um, not even halfway. Um, so they got to keep working on it. Um, Gorosito is doing well in, in, in his um, in the substitutes as well. I like how, what he's doing there. And, um, you know, I just got to keep pushing. The team looks very well. Um, uh, they have good spirits. So they, they look, they got to continue doing that. But other than that, yeah, it's 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 looking. I'm convinced so far. I just hope that they can continue this stretch. Yeah, absolutely. And Ralph, I mean, for for those Eltubers to get their first win, I think it was um, a huge one. I think we have to also mention a a special shout out to one of our people that one of our fans on on Twitter for being a a supporter of of this podcast, who actually is a Dos Eltubers fan as well. Yeah, that's right. Actually, I was uh, I was talking to Calvin, who's who told me he's a fan of uh, 12 de Octubre. Actually, 12 de Octubre Santo Domingo, which is the club in Asuncion uh, near IPS, for those of you from Paraguay that are, that are watching. Um, but he said, you know, he followed that team on Football Manager, which is how he kind of got interested. But as as they're in, they've been for a long time in the fourth division in Primera C. They're going to be in Primera B this year. You can't really follow their games from from abroad. It's almost impossible. So he saw Dose de Octubre Itawa, who the team in in Primera that we're talking about, and, and obviously follows them. So so that's a good thing, you know. Next uh, for for people watching from Paraguay next time, uh, Calvin makes it to Itawa, which he said he wants to to try and watch Dose de Octubre. You you have your your English fan there. <laughs> <laughs> No, absolutely. I think it's uh, it's always important, and we always want to thank the support that we get uh, from everyone around the world, uh, even from those little quirks of um, 
finding it on a, on a computer game like Football Manager. Fed, I actually wanted to close this out with you because, you know, I, I think what we see is, I think the unpredictability of this of this league. I mean, yes, it's a completely different season. There's less teams. But I, I think for sides like Cedro, who currently are in seventh and, you know, are now six points behind Olympia. And, and you know, I think their main objective has always been to, to qualify for not just win, but also to qualify for competitions like the Libertadores and the Sudamericana, you know, how, how soon do you feel as if though for Cedro that they need to fix this? Because, you know, as you said, you know, everything is getting so tight around the entire season. We see the surprises that we see. We see teams trying to gain points and to try to make this quick and, 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 and decisive, you would say, but how soon do you feel that it's time to press the, the crisis button for Cedro Porteño? No, I think it is about that time already because it's not just one game, it's not two, it's just three, four games now. And, you know, by the end of the year of 2020, we were already seeing that Serra was struggling a little bit in defense, that it was having some trouble also with the forwards. And uh, Ralph was just talking about Bocelli. He was talking about uh, the, the game, the, the, the plays that Serra Porteño had, and it was just a few. I mean, this was probably the game that we saw them shoot the the less uh, at goal, you know, it was just a couple of shots and not more. And Boselli, I think he only had he only got the ball once close to to the box where he can actually make make some damage. So they got to play more for him. I, I believe that that midfield needs to get him more the ball. And but but mainly Cerro Porteño has to get their players back. You know, last year Cerro Porteño had had a starting team that. That just came out of the memory that they, they, they you had you knew exactly who they were and that hasn't happened this year yet they've had trouble in defense uh trying to repeat there the same four names they've had trouble in midfield and the only the only place that they haven't had problems is with, is with Pacelli, but they're having trouble getting him the ball and getting him to score so 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 clearly it is a moment to actually look into what Cerro has done and criticize internally and, and try to fix things right before Copa Libertadores, which is, I think, where the, the stakes are going to be higher and teams are going to be a, a lot tougher for Cerro Porteño. So they need to get going strong there, just like you're seeing Olympia growing. That should be Cerro right now, right? Growing and, and you're seeing offensively, creatively and scoring-wise also. So you're, you're seeing that they're having problems practically in all of their lines, and they're going to have to try to fix this very soon, especially getting players back and getting the best uh, the best level out of them because uh, I think we haven't seen the best out of some players like Patino. We haven't seen the best out of Carrizo in midfield. There are some players that have are yet to take the stage of this 2021 with the Cerro Porteño shirt, and I think they need them more than ever because uh, Olympia is, is 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 making space for themselves and is getting ahead of the rest. The, the Libertadores point is really big because that's when this gets really difficult. So you have obviously uh, Libertad and Olympia Cerro and Guarani all playing Libertadores. And that's when you have to start, you know, moving players around and what they're seeing from this kind of mini injury crisis or COVID crisis that they're having Cerro Maybe they don't have the depth they were hoping for. And then another team that suffered with this yesterday was Guarani because Guarani decided, you know, we have the game against Atletico Nacional, so we're going to rest a few players. So they rested a few players against Luqueño 
and they ended up losing. I mean, they lost to an amazing goal from Luis Cabral, who is the least likely person, I think, to have scored a 25-yard screamer. He's a, he's a central defender. But he scores this amazing goal for Luqueño, which is another team struggling to score goals. They, that was only their fifth goal of the season. Um, so it came from this unlikely source. But then Guarani didn't have the answer. And, and what Guarani were doing was similar to what we saw in Cerro. It wasn't a weak team. It was just maybe a mix. You know, we'll take out two or three normal starters. But but they weren't able to, uh, you know, to to do enough to, to win a game or even generate chances to, to score. So definitely a worry for Cerro with Libertadores coming up. And it's a perfect, um, you would say, um, way to close this all off with talking about the Libertadores. Obviously, two Paraguayan teams will participate in the second stage. And as we had mentioned, Guarani had beaten Royal Party 5-2 on aggregate to qualify to the second to the second stage. And they will take on Atletico Nacional of Colombia. Whereas Libertad, who will need to bounce back from this uh, loss to Dos de Octubre, will travel to Ecuador to take on Universidad Católica in Quito. Ralph, I mean, two big matches for both these two teams. Obviously, two different perspectives. Guarani will be at home at the Defensores del Chaco uh, against Atlético Nacional, whereas Libertad will have to travel to, to Quito to play in altitude, which is obviously no easy uh, objective for any team in the Copa Libertadores. But how do you assert both these teams' chances uh, heading into their first legs? Well, I'll start with, with Guarani. I mean, I think they will play a few players. I think what we saw yesterday was by putting Bovadilla and Marin on the bench against Lucanius because he wants to start those two against Atletico Nacional and, and probably Fernando Fernandez, who started yesterday, will be on the bench. You also have Florentino on the bench, who's, who's been their best player. So I think with that team, they're going to be a much better proposition than what we saw yesterday. Um, Atletico Nacional are at the moment sixth in the in the league in, in Colombia. They do have a game in hand. I'm just looking at the table, which could take them maybe up to fourth or third. But, you know, this isn't the Atletico Nacional that, that was doing so well uh, three or four years ago on the, on the Osorio. I think it's, it's uh, not quite as, as a daunting prospect for, for Guarani, and they should feel that, that, that they can certainly win the game at home. Um, and I think, you know, I think they will be expecting that. They need to take a win at home um, to be able to then go to Medellin and, and, you know, have something to defend. So, so that's my feeling that Guarani have the capability, especially of what they were doing, doing last year. We talked about it in the last show as well. Um, they're only really losing to Brazilian teams recently in, in Libertadores. So, you know, they have a, a strong side. And then for Libertad, well, it's, everything is about Garnero for me. I mean, this is a huge moment for, for Garnero. His last Libertadores game was against an Ecuadorian team, Delfin. He was manager of Olympia. All they needed to do was, was beat this, this poor Delfin at home to qualify. And of course, they lose 1-0 and, and they're out in the group stages of Olympia. They're even out of Sudamericana. And, and shortly after, you know, Garnero doesn't, doesn't last uh much longer after that so a big moment for him um for Libertad is different you're playing at altitude I think you can afford always to to draw these games or to lose by one goal with, with it being altitude I, I'm not sure if they named the list yet it's they should be naming it today or around about now but maybe we'll see if they who they decide to take do they take all the first teamers to altitude or or try and rest some of them for next week um but, but I think for Libertad, there's, you know, there's a lot on Garnero, how he's going to, 
to do this and and you know his return to continental action which is is his Achilles heel because you know in the league he's, he's won all these titles he's always been the Libertadores that he's trying to uh, trying to balance and, and trying to to get the best of his of his team like he's been able to do in league competition it's all about staying alive I believe for these both for these teams on the first match that they're going to have this week right I mean just getting getting to that second match uh, with chances of, of, of fighting, especially because if both Paraguayan teams go on in, in Libertadores, they will play against each other. And especially if they, if they go forward, if they, if they go on through this stage, we will have one team go to Libertadores in group stage and we'll have the other team go to Sudamericana. So that's a very important issue, you know. Hopefully, Guarani can 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 do something against Atlético Nacional. I don't think they are favorites against Atlético Nacional. Atlético Nacional is usually a team that tries to build up uh, a team to to fight the Libertadores. You know, they've done it these last couple of years. And Colombian football is, is very tough for the Paraguayans, especially when we have to go and play in Colombia. Uh, so we'll see what, how Guarani does over there. So I think it's. It's especially for Guarani, uh, also for Libertad, because they play in Quito, always a hard place to play. To, to play, uh, they just have to uh, stay alive after this first game and try to and try to get on the next stage uh, on the second game. But it's going to be really tough this time around with Atlético Nacional, with with this team from Quito. It, it doesn't look easy for either of these teams, even though I, I think they they have everything that it takes to to make it to the stage group to, to the stage group but unfortunately it's only going to be just one of them Maria no yeah Fede I agree with you on there I think uh especially for Guarani um they can't take Nacional Atletico Nacional for for granted and and can't let their guards down because although they have been uh, not as uh, competitive uh, lately um, this Atletico Nacional, I, I think it's it's still not a good idea to, uh, you know, not not uh, see them as a big competitor. And um, I believe, um, but to add what, what uh, Raf was saying about uh, Atletico Nacional and, and their uh, mid-table, you know, uh, standings, I believe it's been rough for them the last uh, two years that they were not able to classify to group stage. So maybe that's something that Libertad can take advantage of and and, and play with with that. Um, but yeah, um, for Libertad, I I see it a little easier for them. But still, you know, going to Quito and in, in those high altitudes, like Fela said, it's definitely not a good, uh, not an easy thing. <laughs> Two daunting tasks uh, for both these sides. I think they're obviously in good positions to get results, but uh, obviously, as we know, in the Libertadores, everything can happen, and and hopefully that it will go both their ways uh, heading into this uh, first leg. So definitely going to be watching out on what's going to happen to both those teams. And guys, again, another great episode of What I Need Vision, another great discussion on everything. We jumped from the women's game to the club game to everything that's been going on in the world of Paraguay. So we want to thank everyone for listening. As always, you can also listen to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to also, if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment. And as always, you know, thank you for the the amount of support that you've always been giving us. Uh, we can't believe we've already done over 20 episodes now, guys. It's Time goes fast. Time, I bet you had mentioned that 
the uh, it's been a year now since we've been doing that since we you were able to go to a game in the stadium ever since this pandemic started now it's been now all these type of episodes that we've been doing in quite some time so again really great to see the support so. yeah especially for those that have followed us since the first day right I, I, I was telling you guys uh, off the air that I just wanted to take some time also by, by the end of this episode just to say thanks to everybody just be grateful to those that have followed us like I said from the first day showed us their support if, if it's on Twitter because we have a lot of followers on Twitter there's a lot of people that are, that, that are liking our, our account over there a lot of people watch us on YouTube others just probably just listen to us on Spotify during their day, during, during their, their driving time to work. But just mention some of them, like Josh Freeman, that's always giving there the like on our tweets, Danny Rios, Andrew Flint, who joined lately this week, uh, Roberto Adamo, Chris Pigeon, just some of the, of the guys and girls, just many, many followers. We have more than 400. I think we hit, we hit more than 400 this, this past week on Twitter. We have more than 100 on, on YouTube. So I'm, I'm really happy with everything that we've done. It's not an easy topic, right? Talking about Paraguayan football, a lot of people don't know about it, especially uh, coming, coming from uh, the English language. So, so hopefully, we get more and more people knowing about about our, our country, about our football, and just get interested and maybe hear more stories like the Ralph uh, story that, that got across to him this week. Who would have thought uh, uh, a fan of Dose de Octubre uh, around the world just following this team that, that, that they probably didn't even know they had an international fan over there? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a, it's a really good story, and hopefully that we do get more stories as we continue to to do more episodes uh, every week. So again, guys, for myself, Roberto Rojas, for Fede Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Guarani Vision. See you soon.